2: All right, welcome on to a summer league hotel room edition of Hollinger and Duncan. I don't know how long we can go because John is going to need to get to the arena to watch Alper and Sengen about four <laughs> hours early, just to kind of kind of prepare himself a little bit.
1: I got to I got to pick the exact correct seat and just really really think about you know where where you know where, where are the best you know stalking angles and yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to process
2: um bring a jacket by the way it was freezing in there yesterday i know you just got here it was like it was beyond the level that it normally is i was like awesome uh i i spent like literally two games shivering and uh and then i went outside and and it was like it was like basically you know going from like the cold bath into the sauna
1: (laughs) um
2: but but quickly here uh, since people are probably going to be watching summer league and, and stuff now uh when you were cuz we have actually haven't had a chance to talk about summer league yet no. on this podcast since it started when you were working for the grizzlies like tell us about just the process of like putting your summer league team together uh, first of all, like, how do you find these guys who are just you know not even at, even on a real contract, and like, what do you tell them to get them to play for you? Like the guys who are not you know the non-roster summer league type of guys.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting process. Um, a lot of times, like our guys who are plugged into the G League. Uh, played a big role in that because that's basically like that's sort of the same pool of players a lot of time it's either guys who were in the g league last year or who in the g league three years ago and are now in europe and there's so whoever's like the gm or your g league team is basically going to have a lot of the relationships to help you build a summer league roster Um, usually a couple times there will be guys you put on the team as kind of a favor to an agent um what wait what that happens? <laughs>
2: What I, yeah. I thought I thought it was about trying to win the most summer league games that you possibly can. These yeah. roster spots are valuable.
1: Well, you, you basically have unlimited roster spots with your summer league team too. Especially like if you were in a situation like we were the last couple of years, where you're playing the Utah Summer League and then the Vegas Summer League, um, or even in the beginning, we'd play Orlando and then Vegas. So that uh, that sets you up to potentially have a lot of summer league uh, players, and then. Uh, usually there are a few guys you're genuinely interested in who are either G League or overseas. Um, and there's a little more uh, competition, I'll say, to try to get those guys. Um, and then there's also a little bit of a frenzy after the draft ends and like the days after the draft you're talking to agents and a lot of times you're getting incoming calls from agents like, hey, my guy didn't get drafted. Do you have a spot? They're asking you like, who else is on your summer league team? Um, You know, you know like uh, obvious example Um, that like the year we drafted Jaron Jackson, there weren't a lot of agents for fours who were calling us about our summer league spots because they knew their guy would never get to play. So uh they, they, they're looking for like situations just to get their guys, you know, exposure. So it's uh it's. A little, a little hectic and. Because uh, you're having to pull this all together very quickly, have like a two-day camp, basically, for your for your summer league team, and then everybody flies out to Vegas or Salt Lake or wherever you're playing.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, the conversations are kind of like, you know, all right, what's because the agents basically are looking for an assurance that there's going to be some level of opportunity for their guys to uh, showcase what they can do. That's the point yeah, of all this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, until you get to some guys... Uh, you know, your top eight to 10 guys in the team will probably be built that way from guys you have actual rights to your younger players. And then, and then guys you're genuinely interested in and a couple guys who slip, maybe slip through the crack in the draft. Or if you just have a hole on your summer league roster, like, Oh, we have no fives here. And then, you know, you'll take a couple guys like that in. Then the back end is usually more like. Favors or like guys who you know who maybe whose prospects aren't as great, <laughs>
2: J- Jaleel Cousins and the like.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely more of that type of thing. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting.
2: So. Uh, let me ask you this question here. Well, actually, let, let me save this, too. So let's get to evaluating Summer League. And, um, you know, there's sort of the two types of guys, right? There's the types of guys you're talking about who are just trying to glom on and get a chance to showcase and maybe prove that they belong. And then you've got the roster players uh, as well so for the roster players as an executive what were you evaluating those guys on what was the point of summer league for you uh with those guys is it like we want to develop these guys let them explore the studio space or is it more like let's have them play in the role that they're going to be on and prove that they could be effective in that role
1: that's what you'd like to see happen but you can't replicate it like yeah you can't uh, i'll use uh, a former player of ours wayne selden as an example like you want to see how would he play alongside marcus all and mike conley and then you get to summer league and he's by far the best player on the team so he's not playing that role anymore right so it, it, it everything changes because of that so it's one of the things that makes evaluating summer league hard, uh, especially because most of these guys are going to be role players in the league, but in a summer league environment, they're not role players. They're they're guys who have the ball in their hands all the time.
2: Yeah. And I like uh to me being able to see you're know, like Patrick Williams yesterday was a, a great example right he goes six for 20 starts off pretty well then he mm-hmm. uh, took a bunch of bad jumpers I've I more heard about this I haven't had a chance to watch the film on that particular game yet but uh you know that's a chance to kind of all right let's see if there's something here right like are there flashes of him we're gonna give him the ball over and over again like can he beat his guy can he create separation you know does it just devolve into a bunch of long twos right like Jonathan Isaac had a couple of summer leagues here where you know he was sort of the main featured piece and it, it was kind of clear like all right this guy doesn't really have the ability to get by his man and like create a bunch of separation and you know so you kind of think because especially like these more like toolsy wing types like we've seen those guys like your butlers and Kawhi's, mm-hmm. develop into being really good players even like someone like jeremy grant for example you know and maybe those guys get there you know tend to develop later at 24 25 or whatever but you want to see all right let's give him a shot Let's see if they have a chance to flash what they could do. And if it just ends up in a bunch of contested long twos and that's it, then you're kind of like, all right, you know, maybe you are three and D is more what your ceiling is here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a chance to see him in different environments. It's a chance to, it's a chance to evaluate some of your, like some of your end of bench guys, especially like just don't have a lot of minutes under their belt. So you watching them play in 200 summer league minutes might be more than you saw them the whole 82 game NBA season. Uh, especially in like non-garbage time conditions. So it, it is it is a helpful eval tool that way. Um, you know, a lot of these guys too, I mean, you'll see at Summer League, there's a lot of scouts from European t- or GMs from European teams there, from, uh, you know, even like China, Korea, whatever. A lot of these guys who you won't see again after this are playing for overseas contracts basically at Summer League.
2: Yeah, that's a, a good point. Like, you know, like the Maccabi Tel Aviv, their guys are, are always there, right? Like, the, you've, the, all these teams have a, you the know, Co- just trying to pick up one guy. Yeah.
1: The Korean League actually, uh, I don't think they, they're, I don't know if they're doing it this year because everything's been all messed up, obviously. But the Korean League would hold their draft at Summer League.
2: Huh. That's interesting. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah um and then i guess you know you also kind of run up against the same thing of like all right what role is this guy playing when you're trying to bring in these end of the roster guys because again like you're not looking for like being able to score 25 points a game in summer league okay maybe that indicates that you've got some athleticism you got some skills but it's rare that you're going to want to bring that guy in to be a big score on your team like you you know mm-hmm. Your Jonathan Gibson's, right? Like that. Yeah. Those guys, okay. Maybe you throw them in. Like we can sort of give them this like DH role for a, a few minutes a game, throw them in and the Gennaro Pargo role, see if he can get hot. But generally, like those aren't the best guys that you're looking for. So, you know, it's not necessarily, oh, this guy averaged 25 a game. He made all summer league. Like now he's going to be on yeah. our team. There's still guys who are, maybe more likely to play a role coming
1: in. Yeah. The, the biggest error everyone makes with Summer League is fawning over these, like, six-foot-one shoot-first guards because, like, Summer League is set up for those guys to be awesome. Like, there's, there's not a lot of structure, right? And... And they're not playing against the the type of guys who could really kind of neutralize them and they they will have the ball in their hands. So a lot of guys like that look awesome in summer not to single out a guy, but I'll use Carson Edwards as an example who looked like amazing two years ago and is has not really shown himself to be playable at the NBA level. Yeah. And, uh, although if
2: he could just make shots like I think he mm-hmm. would be. Like the ball just hasn't gone in for him, which is I, I was talking about him with someone yesterday actually. It mm-hmm. just like you know, if he made his shots like I think he would he would be fine shooting like 29 percent
1: yeah that's three. that's true um uh, josh selby josh is selby my... gri- grizzly's legend obviously would be another example uh um, were,
2: were you there when he was there or no was
1: that before no we the, i came in at the end uh he was included uh as a contract in the rudy gay trade was he wait was he in that trade or the or the other one um the he might no spates, he might have been uh, he might have been in the uh oh no wait because it was a three-way deal. yeah Oh, you're right. He might have been in the spades deal actually. Huh. It was one it was one or the other. Um anyway. Um,
2: yeah. My, my wife always wonders why I can like, you know, never remember to like take the garbage cans out to the street on, on Thursday night, but I remember this bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm in the same
2: boat. I'm in the, the same boat. <laughs> the three million dollar like luxury tax avoidance trade yeah. by the Grizz in twenty thirteen.
1: Yeah. Uh, I re- remember that, but I will not remember to vacuum the stairs. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, so I'll be honest with you, actually, I probably enjoy watching most summer league games more than just your average regular season NBA game, just because I'm learning more. Uh, and seeing guys for the first I mean obviously you know if it's between the eight minute or, or two minutes left in the first and six minutes left in the in the second when there's just nobody out there like that's miserable but just to like you know see Kate Cunningham versus Jalen Green uh tonight or yeah Evan Mobley versus Jalen Green the other day like that's more excited me just because I I'm you know, my prior is, like, so limited at that point, And, like, I want to see these guys out there in person after, like, I evaluated their draft tape and stuff. So, like, obviously, it's higher-level basketball during the regular season. But if you're just, like, trying to learn something about guys, like, I think it's fascinating.
1: Uh, I, I agree. I always kind of enjoyed watching uh the summer league games it's uh you you can get to a point where you've seen so many of them that you're just catatonic uh but yeah it 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 is it is really neat cuz it it's like you said you're seeing different guys and in different environments so it it feels o- Almost like a, like almost like an overseas scouting trip almost except you're you're not going overseas so uh, it's it's kind of neat that way
2: There is something special about your physical state of just what like staying out drinking beers, until two in the morning in my case going to the caesar's buffet and lotus lotus of siam and me and this awesome asian noodle place you know shoveling food in my mouth every meal shuttling back and forth between 45 degrees fahrenheit in the in the gym and 110 (laughs) outside realizing that you've been sitting in the same seat for six straight hours that's like totally cramped for for my frame uh and then like also – but you also get amazing sleep because like the blackout curtains in your hotel room. So there's just something special about my physical state after a few days in Las Vegas that it's just – you can't you can't get it anywhere else. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I, I don't know if I'm with you on every element of that. <laughs> but <laughs> But it is – I mean it is such a unique experience here between the – the heat, the casinos, kind of the the schedule you adopt while you're here it's 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 definitely it's definitely its own special time zone. Like yeah, there's, exactly. There's Pelt no question about that. was saying that yesterday. Yeah. was
2: saying that yesterday. He's like,
1: because he's a, like, yeah, because you guys are on Pacific time too, and it's still just like different. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, because it's just like nothing. Although actually, this podcast started pretty early, but uh, nothing really starts before 11 a.m. So it's basically like just treat me like I'm in Hawaii, right? Like, and, I, yeah. and I'm just, uh, and, and I'm not the The earliest riser in the world anyway uh but so last thing here before we talk about the the offseason do you have like any just favorite summer leaguers who are just you know sort of like the quintessential summer league players that, that come to mind for you
1: uh I mean, I guess when I was with you know, obviously I would watch all of our own summer league games. Um, so, what, like Wayne Selden had that one summer league where he was just awesome for us, right? So that's the one that always stands out for me. Uh, uh, you I, I, mean I've got
2: a, I've got a few. You mean for you qu- few.
1: quintessential summer league, like just a just like a random who is that guy? Um, yeah, I, yeah. Or when we mean, had uh, but, yeah when we had Keith Steffick on our summer league team who had played in Luxembourg the year before, like. <laughs> <laughs> People were coming up to us like, "Who the hell is that guy?" <laughs> that 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 that's probably the one that was like the deepest cut. Did did
2: uh, hey that that league produces some talent? Didn't Alfonso McKinney also play in the the, the Luxembourgian league? <laughs> is that, is that how you, I I have no idea how you even talk about something L- from
1: Lux- Luxembourgeois? Luxembourg? Is that <laughs> yeah. how you say it? <laughs> I don't know. We're just going to make something up. Uh yeah. Did he come from there? Did did he play in that league? I think Maybe.
2: he I think he had a cup of coffee there wow. if I remember. Uh but uh so I mean a, a few that come to mind for me obviously. Uh and uh, at our wedding we named all of the tables, you know, after like various characters and so all the basketball people who were invited to my wedding got to sit at the Jack Cooley table.
1: Yes. At, at the wedding. Oh my god, you know he was on our summer league team. Yeah, I could not believe
2: that you didn't say him
1: actually. Oh no, he's the other I mean I've Kind of going to the way back machine because uh, yeah, he was our first summer league team, and Jack Cooley's an awesome guy, by the way. Um, oh
2: yeah, no he is, and
1: yeah. uh, he uh, no, they, I'm I'm very happy you named your table after him. Um, he, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a summer league game where he was going up against Luke Harringotti, who also went to Notre Dame and had like the oh, yes. same haircut as him and everything. So it was, <laughs> it, was it was it was amazing. Uh, Jack actually destroyed him too. Um, well, he, well, he was, no, the
2: the best part of that is uh, is Fred Katz's favorite anecdote from summer league is that uh the pa announcer called jack cooley luke herring at one point (laughs) and i don't think i think that luke herring like wasn't even playing in that game at at the time (laughs) um so so i've got another one for you too Uh, oh well you were saying that jack destroys luke luke yeah yeah
1: yeah he did it was a momentous occasion for notre dame fans
2: um yeah, we also had yesterday sitting next to us were, uh, this group of guys that I thought were like, Orlando Magic fans Mm -hmm. but it turned out that they were uh temporary Orlando Magic fans if you know that type of Las Vegas fan Uh um
1: were they they Giannis Tima fans
2: uh (laughs) yeah Harper said uh that uh, if Giannis keeps playing this way he could be uh uh, all summer league first Tima which uh he also called him after that
1: he also called him Giannis and Tima and Tima (laughs) Kumpo
2: Uh yeah, Giannis Team. I know he's another favorite of yours, right? You guys drafted him. We in drafted like the 50s him one year, right? We
1: Drafted him with the last pick in the draft, sixtieth pick. Yeah. My first year there, I did multiple trips to Latvia to check in on him, and uh, we actually ended up trading his rights to get Matt Barnes for a year, who we probably wouldn't have made the playoffs without. So that pick paid off for us. But Gian- Giannis has turned into a, like a you know quality overseas player. He, he was pretty good yesterday, right?
2: Uh, his haircut—he's got like this like super blonde haircut actually. But uh, so yeah. So anyway, these guys were uh, had the magic plus three or, or uh, my. Minus three and oh, okay. uh and it goes into ot and then of course it, they're up by four airballed three-pointer gets put in by jonathan Kamingo with 0.2 seconds left to lose him their bet which nice. i thought was i thought was richly deserved because these assholes were like annoying the shit out of me like <laughs> sitting next to the media section just screaming every every <laughs> single possession uh so that was they got their just desserts um nice that's, so that's so, so the other one that came to mind for me is uh jeff ledbetter who's like this like white shooter guy at Oh my intel. god!
1: No, we had okay. So our G League guys, like we had a running thing about Jeff Ledbetter for years because oh, yeah. the the first time he played against our our G League team in in Des Moines, he checks into a game and we're like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Like, you know, and he just starts wrecking us, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was a pretty good G League player, you know. We're like, "Holy crap!" Okay, <laughs> I, I mean, he was he was uh,
2: I think he was maybe like thirty two or something. Like, he definitely <laughs> he, he was out there for some team, you know the Spurs for a while but yeah. now I don't know if he's playing this year but he's now been replaced by this guy named Spencer Littleston who looks exactly like him who's all, like same exact game as Jeff Ledbetter as well I think he's on he's on the Pistons uh Summer League team so you'll get right. you'll, you'll get a look at him tonight in the the uh the Cade Jalen Bowl
1: exciting exciting all right
2: so I'm about to go on a month-long trip and I was thinking man I'm really gonna miss My regular Theragun, but, oh, wait a minute. I have the Theragun Mini as well. That's uh, my wife's that she's bringing. We're going to share it. She actually prefers the Mini to the regular Theragun. In fact, it's a little bit less expensive, but you can bring it with you anywhere. It's fantastic. And Theragun, if you don't know what it is, it's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension. I swear by it. It seems like whenever I have these adhesions, whether it's my calf, I had one in my shoulder that was really preventing me from like kind of letting loose on a shoulder press and I worked on it, did a few treatments and it was good as new and now I can go hard on shoulder press again, use it on my glutes, my lower back, when that gets sore. And it's not just me, Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid. Plus elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and of course, me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash PER, John invented PER, right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash PER, therabody.com slash PER. Don't go to a chain store. For your auto parts, there's no reason to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Instead, go to Rock Auto and save time and money. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump: 353 bucks from a chain store, 216 from Rock Auto. And Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers now for over 20 years. Yes, the dot-com era is over 20 years old now. They've got everything you need: brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck. Right, locked on. And then, how did you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. But alas, we we must move on to yeah. weightier matters. And I guess uh, where I wanted to start here, you know, obviously we're, we had to take last week off due to personal reasons, but. Uh, so we haven't had a chance to talk about any of this stuff yet i've obviously been reading your stuff but uh, you, you and i are both pretty low on the derozan thing for, for the bulls we don't need it. it's all been rehashed probably at this point but what are your thoughts on on like how that came together like what you think it was like always going to happen was this thing about is going to meet with the clippers was that like kind of used as leverage to get the deal over the finish line because like one of my theories was maybe this was like largely agreed to at the start and the bulls kind of just misread where the market was going mm-hmm. as opposed and so that maybe this focus on like well hey no one else could have given him anything uh you know i mean it's not misplaced i guess because it was still an insane contract to agree to even at the start of free agency but that they kind of just had to like follow through on what they said they were going to do
1: yeah the, the only thing is i mean the so the one sign and trade got out there right away and then their other one waited well at least a little while i guess um i'm, I'm trying to remember it was all such a blur that was probably done within 48 hours too actually right
2: yeah so, i think it was, it was like like late tuesday i want to say yeah uh, that that came
1: out so yeah there's a good chance they just held their fire until then in, in that case but you know what else was weird about that deal they could have done a sign and trade for marketing and they Paid Doug McDermott instead, and you look at the money McDermott got. Like they basically chose Doug McDermott over Lori Markinon, which is, I mean, that probably says more about where Lori Markinon's at, actually, than it says about the Spurs in some ways, right?
2: Yeah, and, and Markinon, I mean, he's. Seems like he might have like Dennis Schroeder disease at this point, where he he wants to get a lot of money, he wants to like start somewhere, and he wants the ball, and you're just you're not going to find that with his resume right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Schroeder's definitely getting the uh, Bonzi Wells Award for this year for uh t- t- turning down a uh a gold mine of a contract and having to settle for much less.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I heard that it what he got offered. I, I mean, there are reports out there that Lakers did offer him the full four for eighty four. I also heard that maybe it wasn't quite that much, but still, uh, it's better than the taxpayer pyramid level.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's probably, I mean, that's probably what he's looking at, at this point. There's just not a lot of money out there. There's not a lot of players or roster spots even out there.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the problem is that not only is he not getting paid, but he's not, I don't know that he has a guaranteed role anywhere where he can work back to getting, you know, starter level of money.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge for him, even on a, even on a one year deal. To get to get a situation that could help him get paid next year. Uh, I mean, Boston, it does seem is probably his best opportunity because, like, okay, it's Marcus Smart who's kind of a two, and they probably would prefer to play him at two at times. And then you know, it's like Peyton Pritchard or whatever. Like, you can you you can see him moving to the front of that line a little more easily, maybe there, uh, and he'll yeah. get to play in playoff games and stuff. So, but yeah, he's in a he's in a really difficult spot in terms of getting paid. Um. Uh, anything else that really like kind
2: of stood out for you like contracts you really like uh, well actually here, let's finish up since you brought up mcdermott like wh- what did doug mcdermott do to double his salary over the last three years
1: yeah i i kind of with you on that like i think he has some value as like a three four but i i see him more as a six man type and he's at an age where he's, he's not gonna be any better than what he's been um he's a guy too in san antonio i worry he's gonna end up taking a ton of twos because that was kind of the thing he was doing earlier Earlier in his career, so I, I wonder if he's going to revert to back to that there a little bit just because of how the the Spurs tend to play. So yeah, I didn't I didn't really love that deal. I mean, Shooters definitely got paid this year. I mean, the Gary Trent deal was another one that was like, okay, really? I mean, you're going three for fifth. It was slightly less than originally pre- reported, but still, you're going guaranteed money. You're going three for fifty-two with a third-year player option. Like, you, where's the upside in that deal, right? Like, is he, if, unless he becomes an all-star by the second season of that contract, you're at best going to break even.
2: Yeah, I think uh, other than centers, you know, there is this feeling that shooting guard is like this position where there isn't a lot of depth. And that might be true. But I also think that like, you know, paying eight, like 18 million a year is kind of just what starting shooting guards get paid, right? Like that's Powell, Tim Hardaway Jr., Trent. I mean, Trent at least is younger. So, yeah. and, but I, yeah, I don't, I mean, he could maybe like create some long twos for you. He's never going to get to the basket. And, you know, I think he could be better defensively than your, uh, say tim hardaway jr type of guy or maybe even like a fournier so i mean i guess i was just like hey you're a starting shooting guard this is how much you get paid but i mean to also get the player option at that point that was a little and maybe maybe the thought was they didn't want to go four years for him and so the compromise was okay if you're only going to go three then give me the player option maybe that's it but yeah i mean great job by clutch sports though to not sign an extension with portland and play the market he got more years and a player or, or more money and a player option over three years than they could offer him over 4.
1: Yeah, and he'll be an unrestricted free agent at like age 24 with what looks to be a much higher cap too.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's going to be interesting to see where where that goes. Uh yeah, you know, I mean they're presumably they'll get back on track uh, eventually. So, um by the way, quick aside here, but good job by the NBA and the Players Association coming to an agreement about the pandemic losses. That really didn't disrupt the system of the NBA at all, right? Like the Absolutely. cap not going down. You didn't see like this thing like in Barcelona with Messi, where they—I mean, who knows if it's true—but they 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 can't offer him as much money as they wanted to to keep him and stuff. Like everything's like pretty much been normal as yeah. far as how the league is operated.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I think yeah, that's almost been overlooked because it's been such a non-event, but yeah, they did a fantastic job with this and it really stands in contrast to like the uh when they didn't do smoothing earlier and basically created the conditions for a lot of mayhem in the market uh 5 years ago.
2: But yeah, so, so McDermott, you know, Bertans was kind of him the year before where I, you just kind of wonder, like, is it worth and, and I think Bertans, by the way, is a much more dangerous guy than McDermott at, at his best as a shooter. He's got more size uh, as well and more of a movement shooter, quicker release. Uh, as well to me but you know when you're just they're not good enough defensively to start and it's kind of like you you know maybe they'll close games sometimes the right matchup maybe they won't you basically can't do any switching with those guys out there you just wonder about like are you gonna pay eight figures for a guy like that at least to me even if shooting is at a premium
1: exactly because you feel like you could get like if Furka and Korkmaz got Five million. Like, how much of an upgrade are you getting for triple the money here?
2: Yeah, so isn't McDermott like 29 already, too? Yeah, that's what I mean.
1: Yeah, you're not capturing any upside here. Yeah.
2: Yeah. These shooters seem to age a little bit. You know, they kind of, especially like kind of these slower shooters... You know, JJ Reddick was like this too, where they kind of seem to age a little bit better. Like it takes them maybe longer to come into their own, but then they hold on to their value maybe a little bit longer as time goes on. But, um, so here's one that really surprised me. I was shocked that Cameron Payne got as little as he did.
1: I was a little shocked by that too because I thought he'd be playoff guy. Um, so I thought he would get overpaid based on based on that performance, and really ended up with a pretty reasonable reasonable deal, like six six and a half a year. they only a partial on the third year. Um, that yeah, that surprised me. I thought his number was going to get a little higher than that. I
2: thought he deserved more than that. Honestly, I mean, you called him playoff guy, but I thought he was good this regular season. Like he was. Yeah, Uh, very solid third guard for them. Like, I thought he even, you know, the way he's been improving, like he might even be like a low end start. Like if you compare him to Tyus Jones... Delon Wright, Monte Morris. Like, I think he's better than those guys. And they're all getting like eight, nine million. And they got it over three, four years.
1: Yeah, that's all that's, guaranteed. That, that is uh, a great point. Okay, by the way, what? how the hell do you trade Deron, Delon Wright for Tristan Thompson and not get a draft pick?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and then also they signed like a billion other centers too. And they brought back Holmes. I mean, maybe they just felt like they were going to lose Holmes. Maybe that's what it was insurance for that, but they
0: didn't.
1: Yeah. And like, and th- I mean, I don't know. I guess I feel like you can always come up with a center. Uh, but I, I mean, it's the same thing I thought a year ago. And I think, I think history will judge me well on that, that these teams were using their full mid level for centers they didn't really need. And most of those guys ended up not really playing that much, especially in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and or getting dumped immediately afterwards. Favors and, and Thompson, as as you pointed out, yeah. in, uh, for, for The Athletic. So during the playoffs, I'd be done recording at like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I couldn't go to sleep right away. Need to have a little bit of time to myself. But I wasn't going to just watch some reality TV crap. I was going to actually relax, but also learn something with cinema quality video lessons for Masterclass. They've got masters in basically any field that you can imagine at this point, whether it's Gordon Ramsey for cooking, really been enjoying his classes lately, Steph Curry on shooting and ball handling, Serena Williams on tennis, Margaret Atwood for writing. They're now up to over a hundred classes. You don't have to sit down and consume a full class start to finish. They're 10 minutes or so each. But if you really want to get into it, they all have downloadable materials as well, exercise that you can do. So I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as a Hollinger Duncan listener, you have 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com PR. That's masterclass.com PR for 15% off Masterclass. Don't forget that slash PR, John and Bennett, to let them know that you came from us yeah what else what are some other ones that uh surprised you either positively or, or or uh or negatively from the team side
1: you know i was really surprised the contract fournier got i gotta be honest i th- i thought i thought the market was going to cool on him after they saw what what he looked like in boston with like in the construct of like a, a more potent offense and i mean th- to pay him 20 million guaranteed in 2324 like i man i have a hard time seeing how you how you come out ahead on that
2: well, he's still relatively young, right? Isn't he only like twenty-eight?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I like his contract better than Hardaway Jr. Although Hardaway Jr. we found out declines, which I, I think, yeah, especially when you can do eight percent declines with bird rights, that that's better to me. But
1: yeah, um, that a little tricky spot. This what I call the bird rights trap with, right. with Hardaway, where if the guy leaves, you can't really replace him because you're over the cap, or in Dallas's case, at least you were operating as an over the cap team. So that made it a little trickier. Yeah. I mean, I think they're probably going to lose on that contract, but as you say, it's, it's declining money at least. And you kind of know what he is. Like. I, I don't think you're gonna I don't think you're gonna end up with a dog there either, right? You're gonna you're gonna end up getting ten million in value and paying the guy sixteen million, but you're not gonna you're not gonna end up like <laughs> it's it, it's not dead money either. I guess is what is what I'm looking at. Whereas like some of these centers last year were just like okay, like what what are we even doing here?
2: Um, our guy Jared Allen was uh, another one that that actually might be my worst one of the off season. I, really? I'm more of i I'm more of a Fournier guy than you well no i mean demar is the worst one demar i mean demar is in demar is is in a
1: league of his own right like that's the that's like the lol contract of of this summer
2: how how good do you before we get to alan how good do you think that bulls team is right because because this is this is the thing that i've been hearing out of chicago it's like all right you know yeah we don't have the upside but you know we're gonna be like the fifth or the sixth seed and then you know we can keep building from there and blah blah like that's where I think they're kind of going wrong is that I just don't think this makes them that good right now.
1: I think they're going to be better on offense and worse on defense than we were last season, which is a transition we already saw was was happening. And then it gets really interesting when you once you start getting into the out years. Like this is a team that has never paid tax and is going to have... Four players in twenty two, twenty three making over twenty million. Zach Levine potentially making like thirty five million. So how how are you gonna put together the rest of the roster? Uh And where yeah, where if, are you if
2: Levine is even there?
1: Yeah, where where are you gonna get? Well, if Levine's not there, then you're just not good enough. So that's that's a completely right. separate problem. But yeah. I, I just, to me, it's like, you know, it's like Grunfeld era wizard strategy. Like, let's all in, you know, all in for the eight seed, you know, let's, let's trade our pick for Randy Foy and Mike Miller and make a run for it. Um, so definitely that kind of vibe. Like to, I mean, the DeRozan did like, my God, like to throw in picks for the right to overpay him and like you gave up actually one genuinely good player. You basically give up two because it takes you out of re-signing Markkinen, Um, and your you know instant negative value, negative equity on the contract. About the only positive out of it was you dumped Aminu's 10 million, but now you turned it into a, a bigger liability.
2: Yeah. Well, that was part of the original sin of the Vooch trade was having to take back Aminu to help out the Magic just so they could save some, some money over the next couple of years when they're rebuilding anyway. But yeah. yet the Bulls had to take back the a bad contract and then i mean probably the reason that they had to give up the first well number one the reason they had to give up the first is because they had to pay Demar. like if they could have just paid Demar a reasonable salary then they could have just given up young and then maybe they don't have to include a minu and then you don't have to include the first to get him to take Aminu.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if they had given DeMar 18 a year, like, they might have been able to do this with room.
2: Uh, Yeah, I, mean, I think there were some other, there would have been some other things that they could, couldn't have done. They, they wouldn't be able to get Caruso on the mid-level. Yeah, level. yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's the other thing they were able yeah. to do. But um, but back to this team, like, I mean, I would be shocked if they get out of the bottom 10 in defense. Like, I just don't know how they do that. Like, Ball and Williams, and like, it, there's where's the evidence? that Patrick Williams is even a good defender at this point, right? Like he has the tools, but, you know, asking him and Lonzo Ball to make up for Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch in the starting lineup. I mean, that's – and then they don't – they also don't really have any like good defensive bench options –
1: I mean, Caruso. Other than
2: Caruso. But like in the front court, which is where it really matters, you don't. um, You know, I guess they don't really have like any kind of a backup four right now. Maybe we'll see what happens with Markkinen. But so if you're going to be a bottom 10 defense, like, you know, isn't 500 kind of your ceiling? Like, is this going to be a top? Like, unless you're a top five offense in the NBA, if you're a bottom 10 defense, you're a 500 team.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, to your point, I mean, Tony Bradley is the backup five right now. and and like, it's not bad, but but like, like. that that is that and that's a wrap for the front court like that's it that's all they got um so you know very very interesting to see what happens there like you know i were they too dismissive of like daniel tice they just kind of sent him off to houston for for a small trade exception
2: yeah i mean tice maybe just didn't want to be there uh you know that that, could be that could be that that could be part i mean I, i don't think you know Four years, thirty-six billion with a player option. I don't know if they wanted to go there on Daniel Tice at age twenty-nine. To, although he is an underrated player to me, that's a lot of money for Daniel Tice. Um, yeah,
1: I'm I'm more neutral on that. I thought that one was a little odd just because the team he signed with, right? Especially now that yeah. we're hearing that they will be able to get. Um, uh, Usman Garuba out of Spain which which seemed touch and go there for a bit because now you're looking at you have Schengen and Garuba and Christian Wood like you have three young bigs that you're committed to basically and you have Daniel Tyson that mix too now and this is a team that was kind of like to play small in the past. So, I, so definitely a different different look there, certainly.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a the thought that they just need some more good players. They need to make some of these young guys earn it, which they didn't have to last year. Or that they could just move on from Tice. Although Tice, it just, it doesn't seem like his value was that. I mean, Daniel Tice, like this is always an interesting thing, right? And I think some, some of these guys who... What they get traded for can be instructive. Other times not like, you know, Fournier got traded into a trade exception for a couple of seconds. Right. Yeah. So that kind of made you think maybe his market was going to be that good if that's all that was out there for him uh in terms of a, a deal. But then, you know, it took one team, the Knicks. Right. Uh And Tice, he got dumped for basically nothing by the, the Celtics. Yeah. And then he played better with the Bulls, I, I guess. Uh But you see Schroeder. All right, you know, maybe you're not an $84 million player if all it took to get you was the 29th pick in the draft. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing; you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC, MMA action. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget that promo code Locked On to get your 50% welcome bonus. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or just be better? There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. Whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. They've got a three-minute SOS meditation if you're feeling overwhelmed, you need some help falling asleep. They've got wind-on sessions. For parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. They have... 600,000 five-star reviews, over 60 million downloads, 25 published studies on its benefits. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash on MBA. That's headspace.com slash lots on MBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash on MBA today.
1: I mean, how about that trade, huh? Giving up Danny Green and a first to turn it into Schroeder. What do you, What do you think of what the Lakers did, by the way?
2: Have we not talked since the Westbrook thing?
1: Uh, not sure we did. Not sure we did. I I love what the Wizards have done. I mean, they basically got turned Russell Westbrook into five players and kind of really really turned their turned their ship in such a way that they have the flexibility to do other things now and you know who knows what it'll portend for for Beal but they basically they basically have effectively dumped John Wall which is unbelievable right
2: unbelievable it, it really is yeah i mean basically the, the draft equity is probably about the same maybe the pick they gave up is a little bit worse than the one that they're that that they got from the uh, the lakers um but you know there's pretty heavy protections on the pick going out uh to like you know ad infinitum yeah I mean, it, now there's not that many teams i think that had like great off seasons there just wasn't that much to do in, in the end it seemed like but no i like what the wizards did for, for sure i can't believe we're saying that i think also another thing is that a lot of people probably didn't realize just like how fucked they were by the tax this year if they'd kept westbrook
1: yeah they couldn't
2: do anything like yeah. they couldn't afford to bring back like robin lopez and ish smith if they yeah. had wanted to
1: yeah yeah
2: so I, I mean now are they it feels weird about oh they had this great season do you favor them to make the playoffs you know probably not you know we'll see how well Dinwiddie plays and uh and how, how, looks how often he plays right yeah
1: although um, friend of the show Hal Neto has also re-signed in Washington so
2: yeah that's a, that's some some needed insurance uh, perhaps <laughs> there but yeah so I mean it but so, talking about Washington but I, I think they were actually poised to take like a major step back I agree. Um, and actually, the Knicks, who also I kind of like their offseason once it came out that they had a bunch of non-guarantees on the end or team options on the end of some of these deals, um, other than Fournier, that they only go out two years. So that I feel much better about their offseason. But again, they're sort of in the situation where I think if they'd stood pat, they would have taken a major step back, whereas now I think they'll at least be kind of in the mix to be, a, you know, maybe an upside of getting to where they were last year in the conference, but probably more kind of 6th seed, 7th seed, 8th seed. Yeah. But even, even that, I think they might have taken a step back below there, potentially.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think they were a little too enthusiastic about re-signing their own guys when they, there weren't really cap reasons to necessarily do that other than Derrick Rose. Uh And so... I, like I thought, they were too wedded to just getting the band back together, rather than really thinking about maybe you know, is there a real difference between having Nerlens Noel on this deal versus having another center on a one-year deal and giving us more flexibility? The the real the real bet here that I see with the Knicks. Uh, is that the bubble won't burst with Damian Lillard until after the season? That, that to me is the bet you're making with these contracts because they're set up to go into 22 with a ton of expirings. And so if you're saying that Lillard, Lillard's situation will go past the trade deadline, then I think the Knicks feel like they're probably in great shape. But, up until that point, where you're dealing with like two-year deals, and you you took away all your ability to do expirings and whatnot, that's that's a lot harder. And you know, I mean, and I say that because one of the things you hear is that if Lillard decides to go down this pathway, that he's that he's got eyes for New York. So I I think that has to be something you at least think about if you're the Knicks is is keeping that ability to do that open. So
2: it seems like it's going to be New York versus Philly, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, Philly definitely. Definitely would would be the team that wants him and is hoping to turn like <laughs> turn Ben Simmons into him, right? Like I think Philly is just dragging his feet on a Simmons deal basically because they don't need to do anything right now or don't feel urgency to do anything because they're waiting to see what happens with Lillard and Beale, and then instead they'll make the deal when we're all trying to have our freaking vacation in this accordion compressed off season. So <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm bitter about that or anything, but
0: yeah,
2: yeah the, the Kyrie trade was the one that was in 2017. That was the one I remember Danny uh, was like on a train in Iowa when when that happened
1: uh i don't know if you remember uh uh brian winhorst like d- tweeting that it was like now morning in italy and he'd spent all night covering the trade and, and his wife was researching divorce lawyers <laughs> anyway yeah a, a humorous moment if you're on the media side but uh yeah so ho- hopefully that doesn't happen for our sake but i think that's, um that probably yeah. will
2: yeah well uh I, I mean, given some of the offers that are out there being reported uh, of what Daryl is looking for, it, it doesn't seem imminent. No,
1: that no, way. and you know, and I, I wrote about this for the Athletic uh, this last week. Is I mean, that's kind of always how they've he's operated, and Hinky too. Like going back to Houston is that like they kind of they kind of start at pie in the sky and then work their work their way back to reasonable. And so I'm, I'm sure. I mean, given that they're not in any big rush anyway, like why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that and see if you can? you know, catch somebody on the hook.
2: Um, Yeah, I I, I mean, do you think though that like it has to get resolved before the start of the season?
1: That was my emotional response to watching the playoffs. I'm not sure how the Sixers feel about that internally, but I I got to like, man, like it's just going to hang over your whole season until you deal with it. That's the thing.
2: Yeah, these reports that He's like still not in touch with the organization and who knows what the hell he's working on. He didn't go play for Australia. That's not not encouraging.
1: Certainly not. No.
2: but yeah I, I'm uh I, I mean I'm interested because yeah I mean it just seems like Daryl because the Beale and Lillard situations haven't resolved yet that you know he could maybe make the Sixers better this year but he's he's all about getting the stars he's not about CJ McCollum's he's about Damian Lillard's and yeah maybe his, his judgment is all right if I got a 25 percent chance of getting Lillard versus a 100 percent chance of McCollum I'm gonna take that 25 percent chance at Lillard and just hope that Simmons trade value doesn't tank even further
1: yeah and I mean that it, you know the, the fact that they don't have any games in the next three months is is probably you know <laughs> you feel pretty good about his trade value not changing so and I do think there are teams that are interested in Simmons too I mean I think there's enough smoke to the idea that there are some teams who have put feelers out and I'm sure their their idea of a fair price is very different than what the sixers have asked for thus far but I feel like if you if you're Philadelphia you kind of know you have some some backup plans if plan a doesn't work
2: yeah, I, I mean, personally, as of right now, I see Ben Simmons as a bad contract. I, I've always been lower on him th- than everybody, but uh, that's kind of how I see it right now. But obviously they are, uh, it, 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 you know, the point was made, I think by Kevin Pelton that, you know, guys this young with all-star appearances don't become available. Like, you know, like yeah. Kyrie Irving is really the last guy and even he only had two years left on his deal at that yeah. point. So like this is kind of an unprecedented situation, but I don't see Ben Simmons as an all-star caliber player. Like I know what the voters said but that's uh, th- there's a difference between that and what we
1: saw in the playoffs last year. The the fit issue is just so hard with him and I, like you need the exact correct roster construction around him. I think that's what makes it really challenging where you know there, there's some other guys who like maybe in terms of statistical production their value isn't that different but just you can put them on any team and it will still fit and you don't feel that way with Simmons like it has to be just the right combination of other talents around him. Well, and it's
2: one thing if you're Zion or Giannis. Where you feel like, all right, if we put this spacing around this guy and give him the ball, he's gonna be unstoppable, he's gonna draw double teams, he's gonna be relentless attacking the rim, and you know, there's three teams in the league that have someone who can deal with this guy one-on-one, and that can be the foundation of our offense. And Ben Simmons, despite the fact that he's, you know, has maybe close to similar physical gifts as those guys, he's just not that guy. He doesn't yeah. attack the basket like that. He's scared to get fouled. He's not that level of finisher. And so then you're like, all right, yeah, we can maximize Ben Simmons, but what does maximizing Ben Simmons get us? You know, he's not going to drop 25 a game if we – Find a center who can shoot and put all this spacing around him and give him the ball every possession.
1: Yeah, he has to be like a. I mean, you have to use him as a screener almost. I mean, that that's that to me, that's the way you, you weaponize him. But then you need you need your center and power forward to be able to shoot. Unless you're calling him your power forward, I guess. Um, so it's 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 just a very odd odd mix of of skills that you have to put around him. And you need somebody else who can handle the ball around him too. You need a half court creator around him. Him. so you you need you need a lot of pieces to work and if you have those pieces already your team is probably pretty damn good and doesn't really need ben simmons
2: yeah and you know i mean maybe a team like the warriors would work for him and like you know he and draymond together wouldn't be amazing uh offensively but there's just so much passing and then they all the other guys can shoot so much and, and defense the defense really good, yeah right yeah so but like you know there's not a lot of Steph and clays out there and who knows if clay is, is even going to be healthy um any other like teams that really stood out to you? Um, like, let's start with just the, that you liked. Anybody that, that you thought just did a good job. It doesn't even have to be like the highest level of stuff. But uh, I
1: think the Clippers got to be pretty happy with their offseason. I mean, getting Batum and Reggie back, I didn't think anyone thought that would happen. Batum took a what I perceived to be a massive discount uh, to come back. Uh you know, interesting dice roll on Justice Winslow. I like Jason Preston. I think he might be able to play for them. So I'm interested to see what happens there. I I, I thought it was it was another like good off season of work for the Clippers. They probably need to dump one contract here, uh either Ebaker or Kennard, I'm guessing, or maybe Rondo, to to, you know, lower this bill and still I mean, they're over thirty million into the tax right now. So that's
2: I, I, I mean Ball does Ballmer care? maybe he just doesn't care. He
1: can't I I think he cares enough that the marginal thirty million for a guy who won't play at all probably matters to him. So uh, I, I think I think that's the point where he does actually care a little bit. Oh, uh, can I run a
2: little? I don't know if this qualifies as a conspiracy theory, past you, but you know, Kawhi Leonard still has not actually signed a contract. Yes. What do you think's going on there?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure anyone totally knows with him. Like he's just like <laughs> such a shadowy guy. Uh, I mean, it seems to me the one plus one is his best option. I wonder if he's just seeing how the knee feels and deciding whether he'd rather do a one plus one or just take the, take the years right now. That that would be the that would be the one thing I would think might be happening at this point. Like he has to go back to the Clippers. Like nobody else even has money left, right?
2: right. Well, so so this is my theory. Okay. And and you know this would be a little ballsy, but I also think that you know the, the Clippers would have a point here at least. Not that that always matters, but because there are reports that he wanted to meet with other teams, right? Mm-hmm. And the other teams were like, no, we're not going to put all this shit on hold for you. Like this is this is crap. Like you're yeah. not, you're not gonna you're just gonna use us for leverage. Mm-hmm and you know also we, we found out that he's you know it seems the reporting is seeming to indicate that he is going to miss all of next year that seems to be the operating assumption like there's some types of partially torn ACL like didn't what he had or he come back yeah. earlier doesn't sound like that's the type that Kawhi had so we'll assume he's not going to play it all next year so he's opted out I think he probably wanted to get a one plus one and perhaps he was going to use these other meetings with teams as leverage to get that mm-hmm. however he no longer has those meetings he has to go back to the Clippers he is now committed to come back to the Clippers but they haven't signed a contract yeah he was you know palling around with everyone at summer league yesterday yeah so maybe he wants the one plus one and they're like uh no we're not going to just pay you to re- rehab for an entire year and we could potentially lose you like we we want you to commit to at least another year if we're going to just pay you to not play it all for a year you got to give us at least one year of commitment where you're actually going to play
1: and do a two plus one
2: basically yeah.
1: or, actually, or or yeah. or go or go whole hog and sign up for the five years right now
2: yeah. Now the other thing that he could do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The two plus one, probably even, even the three plus one wouldn't, you know, he could do the same thing that Paul George did, which is, I think going to like, it seemed kind of weird. that Paul George at the time was like, Oh, why would you do three plus one? You could sign for five years or do the one plus one. But I think, uh, uh, Aaron Mintz was kind of ahead of the curve on that knowing that you can extend after two years. And so yeah, yeah. you can kind of basically get, you know, four years on top of the initial three years on the three plus one. So you almost are basically signing. Adding a seven-year contract? At the 10 year max, if you sign a three plus one, because all right, you rehab this year, you come back after the next year, you play well enough, you're 32, you have the leverage at that point to get another four years tacked on and pay you until you're 37. Cause yeah. basically all you got to do, if you sign a contract at 30, sign the three plus one. All you got to make sure is that you're still good after year two. And now they have to give you another four years, like just like the heat just had to do with Jimmy Butler.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is that. Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up because that was on my list to talk about. Like, how how much did the Heat screw themselves in the out years with that extension? Because they didn't necessarily oh, yeah. have to do it. And we see, well, and we see, I think they
2: did because of the Lowry situation and getting Lowry to come and, and yeah. Butler and Lowry's relationship. That would be my guess as to why mm-hmm. that had to get done so quickly.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, you're really going all in on old now when you have, you know, in 23-24, you have $75 million committed to Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. And you're, yeah. you know, you're 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 over the cap with four players that year.
2: Pat, Pat Riley is seventy five years old, by the way. That's uh,
1: that seems to be a relevant uh, piece of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Although,
2: although I will <laughs> say, thing. I said that he was seventy one years old in twenty seventeen when he signed all those those contracts, and then they made the finals three years later. So uh, that uh, that joke maybe was undeserved, and maybe it will <laughs> be this time too.
1: How much better do you think they made themselves this year? Ah. Uh...
2: They're in the mix. It just it, it all goes back to what you think. You know who's the real Miami? Is it twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? Is is the real Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one in the playoffs against the Bucks?
1: Yeah, I I mean, Larry's going to fit them really well. I mean, the issue, obviously, is just at his age, like when does, you know, have, what's the drop-off going to look like and, and how is that going to go?
2: No, I mean, I, as I've been saying for a long time, like everybody in the league right now, other than maybe three, four teams, is just myopically focused on the here and now.
1: Yeah, it's really crazy, right? And, it, it's becoming like
2: football almost at this point, but also yeah. without really a super team other than the Nets – like there's a little bit more kind of football like parody, and I'm sure the Hawks and the Suns stories are making people think like, oh yeah, well that could be us as well. You know, we could be the '99 Rams, uh, but but for basketball. Yeah. But it, it I still think last year is a little bit of an aberration. I wouldn't want to make you know believe that this is the new normal quite yet. We'll see.
1: I I agree with that. Although I would say the Western Conference to me seems wide open. Like the East still to me is like that Brooklyn is the best team fully loaded, clearly. I mean, setting aside, that, I mean, think of freaking Patty Mills? Like, come on! Um, like, f- a full, yeah. fully loaded Brooklyn team, I think, uh, regardless of how they defend, it almost doesn't matter because... And, and, I mean, we saw even in the Olympics like, KD, man, just looks so good. Oh my god. Yeah,
2: no, he, he's been... Uh- Fantastic. Yeah, I mean the Nets have got to be the big favorites, but I mean they just, you know, we got to actually see these guys uh, together. Uh also, I'm very interested to see how the Harden and even more so Kyrie extension negotiations play out. Definitely. As well like those uh, those have not gotten done yet. I think Harden might he, he might not be eligible for like a little bit longer maybe because of when he signed I, I can't remember, but um Although Harden, Harden has to get, if he's going to opt in and extend, it has to get done this offseason. Kyrie could potentially go into the season. It feels like they're all just going to resign, though. Like, that's just going to happen.
1: Yeah, there there are some different dynamics with the two extensions because, uh, you know, Harden makes more than Kyrie and with the max and the 8% and whatnot. Like, there there are some subtle things with when they do it that could affect the money in the in the out years that that might come into that, too.
2: Like- should I call, should I call the title of this podcast The Out Years?
1: <laughs> it's really it's really the story of free agency to me is that so many of these really good but older players got money or got extensions and it's just when is the other shoe gonna drop on these guys you know how do, how do yeah. you feel about paying 55 million dollars to steph curry in 2026 right like what yeah. what is that gonna look like and
2: oh no it's, it's actually uh 59 million oh <laughs> just just so we get it right
1: oh my goodness okay <laughs> My bad. But
2: but that said, I mean, that's one where, number one, like he's still playing at like a top five player level. And number two, he's going to retire there as a franchise le- re- legend. Like there's there's value in that in the way that I don't think there is for like Jimmy Butler with the Heat, yeah. th- for example. Yeah. Um, But all right, I think we could wrap it up here. This is a, a fun little yarn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I will see you in the
0: gym in, in about uh, maybe two hours or so, my friend. Awesome. Look, looking forward to it.